to the ASMR edition of Conversation Nuggets. Just kidding. This is a normal episode. (laughs) (laughs) So excited because we finally got a new microphone. I am so sorry that the last episode was littered with Meb's and like zipping around and you could barely hear us sometimes. And then sometimes. And colors. Yes. It was just full of all of the background noise. And I'm so sorry. So welcome to the new and improved Conversation Nuggets. Yes. And please let us know if this is a significant improvement because that would really make us feel good <laughs> and make our investment seem worthwhile. And hopefully you did not hear dog that just barked from outside the door, which means that our microphone is properly working. (laughs) Yeah, so yay. Um, What's going on with you? I almost called you Meb. Paul? Um, (laughs) uh, Well, this is Meb. Okay, so um, let's see. What is going on with me? Your car keys are stuck on my cord. Cut. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what's going on with you? All right, so this week I've decided to start running again. And I've actually signed up for a training program. I wanted like the pre-made Garmin training programs with like a virtual coach. So I'm going to follow their regimen for a half marathon because I want to run a half marathon next spring. That's awesome. That's so exciting. Um, so are you already following it or does it start at a specific date? So you're just kind of base building until you get there. Yes. So I am on day two now and they're starting, they're having me start off really lightly. So like yesterday was like a baseline run, which was just running for like nine minutes, not even like a distance thing. Um, and then today was just a couple miles and I think Friday is like three miles and then Saturday is my long run of five miles. And I, I guess they'll ramp it up from there. Nice. Well, I'm very excited for you. It's always fun to follow a plan. And what's going on with you, Amber? Um, well, you guys don't know, but we're actually recording on a different day than normal because I am heading out of town tomorrow. I'm going to Las Vegas. Um, I have a goal to run a marathon or a half marathon in all 50 states. So I'm going to run a race in Nevada. It'll be state number 20. And I'm really excited because it's going to kind of be a family vacation with my mom and my brother, uh, my aunt, and my two cousins. That's cool. Uh, Which race is it? Um, I think it's just called the Hoover Dam Marathon. I'm just doing the half. Um, but the pictures made it look very pretty because, A, the Southwest is beautiful. And, B, it's, like, right next to... Wait, do you get to run over the Hoover Dam? I don't believe so. I think oh, it just man. starts near the Hoover Dam. But... I think it's in Lake Mead is where it starts. And it's like the start is at um, like the parking lot where it starts is at like a national park. So I'm really excited. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. All right. What's next? What's on the agenda? I think you have the first one, right? Oh, okay. So guys, let me tell you. So you guys, I'm sure all have heard of Popeye's chicken sandwich. And how they've all been sold out everywhere and how people have been like really stupid over them and getting into fights and just senseless acts of violence. Well, now 
Popeyes is bringing you all the warm and cozy feelings by releasing a Popeyes chicken sandwich sweater. And it's it's an actual thing, so it's an actually licensed Popeyes chicken sandwich sweater. Uh, basically, it has uh, it's like a you know holiday themed ugly sweater kind of thing, but it's in it has Popeyes and chicken sandwiches on it. And they're available for purchase on UglyChristmasSweater.com, and it can be yours for the reasonable, very, very reasonable price of forty-four ninety-five. Forty-four ninety-five for a Christmas sweater is ridiculous. Oh my gosh! I was hoping you would show me a picture while oh, we we're talking. About I was it. looking at the thing, so I didn't show it. Wow! Wait, no, that's not it. It's this. Oh my gosh. I posted a link in the description. So if any of you guys want to buy me one, I'll totally wear it. I'm a size medium. That's definitely the ugliest sweater I've ever seen. It's red and white and orange. I mean, I get it because orange is Popeye's color, but. But look wow. at the delicious chicken sandwich on there. Also, $44.95. Like, I despise A, that ugly Christmas sweaters have kind of just become their own thing. Like it used to be you had to go to a thrift store or Goodwill or something to get this ugly sweater. And it's just like someone else's really old sweater that now it's so out of style. It's really ugly. So you can wear it to this ugly Christmas sweater party, but now they're their own thing and they get like marked up so much just like, Halloween costumes, yeah. which are zero quality, but you're paying like $70 for something aware for like one night, once a year, maybe like three or four years. Max. But the good thing about this sweater is that it's not like a Christmas theme one. So like whatever you want to wear a sweater, you can wear your Popeye's chicken sandwich sweater because Popeye's chicken sandwiches are forever. You guys, Paul really loves his fried chicken. <laughs> Uh. Admittedly, I've never had the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Just, you know, on principle, because I don't want to buy into the whole, like, crazy fat thing. If I want fried chicken, I'll just get some regular fried chicken. Sand sandwich and not from Popeye's? No, no, no. It'll, it'll be from Popeye's. But okay. maybe, like, just, you know, their regular chicken. Like, you know, chicken tenders or, you know, they have regular chicken. That's what they sell. Regular meaning fried, but okay. Yes. Um. So what makes the sandwich so different that everyone's craving it? Or is it just something that's been like hyped up so much, but it's literally like any other fried chicken sandwich? Uh, well, first of all, it's like Popeye's flavored chicken. So they have like their own unique flavor, which is, in my opinion, very, very good. And it's superior to all other fried chicken. And I don't know. I think the other I mean, part of it is probably definitely hype but yeah do they not sell like any other chicken sandwiches like if you went into Popeyes would it be that's your only option for a sandwich or they're like sorry we don't have any bread like we have so, to give you fried chicken tenders so you can have spicy flavored or original flavored and then I think they have like a specific patty that they have to use that's like, you know, like, you know, roughly the size and shape of a sandwich. Mm -hmm. But like, okay, so let's say they ran out of sandwiches. You could just buy some tenders and get some brioche buns and some mayo and some crystal hot sauce and some 
uh, iceberg lettuce. And maybe if you want, you could mix in a little bit of, uh, what is it, sweet relish. And then there you go. You have your very own Popeye's chicken sandwich without all the fuss. With all of the fuss. If I wanted that sandwich, that would be way too much effort to go to. But okay. I mean, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Next agenda item. Yes. So I was reading a story about this guy who got attacked by a grizzly bear. And my jaw was just open the entire time because I couldn't believe it. So this guy named Colin Dowler said that for his 45th birthday, he wanted to go on adventure. So he decided to scout a route up to Canada's Mount Doogie Dowler, a 7,000 foot peak that's named after his grandfather. That's kind of cool. So he boated from this island to a logging camp on the coast of British Columbia. From the camp, he biked his way up a remote two-track logging road as far as he could. Then he bushwhacked his way partway up the mountain where he spent the night in the wild. Like, first of all, wow, that is a lot to go through just to go camp for a night. You know what I'm thinking? Okay, I'll let you tell the story and then I'll tell you what I'm thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to mentor up. That's okay. Okay, so the story resumes when he gets back to his bike the next day. So he says he's on the bike and he's going like down back to where I guess the logging camp was in British Columbia. He turns around a bend and there's a grizzly bear 100 feet in front of him. So it was kind of him recounting the story and he says... So I stopped and said, hey, bear, because that's what you do when you see one. Whoa, definitely not what I would do. So he said his bear spray was gone because it fell out of his backpack somewhere on the mountain. Um, The bear started approaching him till his head was parallel with Colin's front bike tire. And then as he walked past, he dipped his head down. He walked by and then he spun a 180 and started walking towards Colin. So Colin started backing up and talking to him again. He said I, he held out his hiking pole as the bear approached, and he poked him on top of the head. Uh, the bear grabbed it in his mouth. They got in a tug of war, and then the bear, like, ripped the hiking pole out of Colin's hand and threw it to the side. Um, Colin tossed his backpack between him and the bear, hoping the food in one of the outside pockets would keep him busy for a bit. That didn't work. Um, and then he said the bear, he threw his bike at the bear. The bear got hung up on it, but then he lunged forward, grabbed Colin between his hips and his ribs, and carried him to the edge of the road and started to settle in on his abdomen. He was chewing on his abdomen. And then he said, shaking me a bit as he chewed. He poked the bear in the eye. The bear didn't like it, so it shook him. Um, And that, like, spun Colin around. And then he just started gnawing on Colin's leg, like, just eating it. And Colin was, he said he tried to play dead. But he couldn't because he would start screaming because the bear's biting his leg and chewing on it. He said the grating sound while he chewed on my leg was like a dog chewing on a bone. Gross. Okay. Then he remembers he has a knife. He pulls out a pocket knife. He said it had a two and three quarter inch blade. And he poked it in the bear's chest and then stabbed him in the neck. So the bear got off him and kind of like wandered away. He said the bear like pooped and peed in the road. Um, He was clearly suffering some trauma. And then the bear just like left. So then Colin had to use his knife to cut his shirt off and make a tourniquet. Then he had to get on his bike and he coasted downhill. Um, He made it to the logging camp where they called an air ambulance. Um, And then he said he was like, he didn't know if based off the size of the bear, if it was actually like a full size grizzly or he was like, maybe it was a small bear that attacked me and it just seemed really big. 
Um, the conservation officer said it was like a large, healthy four or five year old grizzly. And he played cat and mouse with them too when they were trying to track him down. Um, so Colin, when he thinks about it, this happened back in July. And then he's finally just recounting it now. He said, I've definitely got some nerve damage and I've lost some muscle. It may take a couple of years to figure out where I'm going to end up. Okay, but here's the scary part. He doesn't know if he should have done anything different. I think the only thing different before you get started, sorry, <laughs> is he lost his bear spray. Okay, that's terrible. But I mean, if you lose your bear spray, what are you supposed to do? Should he have run away or would he still have gotten attacked? Should he play dead? Clearly he couldn't play dead because he was being eaten, eaten alive. Okay, tell me all of your thoughts, Paul. Okay, so, <laughs> oh my God, I've been waiting so long. <laughs> okay, so first of all, him having to trudge through all that just to get to his camping site, like, I feel like he literally just broke and entered into the bear's home. Like, that's how I see it. And then he lost his, he quote-unquote lost his bear's brain. No, he littered in the bear's home. So the bear, obviously he's pissed. I'd be pissed too if somebody broke and entered into my home and just littered their, what, like, human mace on the on the ground like i would be pissed too and i would track down the guy who broke down broke into my home and i would I, well i wouldn't gnaw on him but you know you get you get the idea like i feel like colin should you know mind his own business not break and enter into you know other animals homes and just use the designated camping sites and not litter well, what if where he bushwhacked, like, what's saying that it was a no trespassing? Unacceptable. This was the bear's home. Just because he bushwhacked? Yeah. He, mm. he literally, like, broke down a wall. Like, that's, like, the equivalent of me, like, not using your door, just, like, me taking a sledgehammer and coming in through your apartment wall. But I feel like bushwhacking is, like, a hobby people have. You know what? You, you know what else is a hobby that people have that is unacceptable? Hunting for fun, like, you know, endangered animals like lions and zebras and giraffes in Africa. What are the black and white striped animals? They're zebras. That's zebras, everybody. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. I guess we'll agree to disagree on this because I don't think he did anything wrong by going out in the wild. I just think, wow. He was obviously in a very remote area to get attacked like that. I'm Team Grizzly Bear. Right in with your thoughts. Yeah. What do you think about bushwhacking in the wild? And please also tell me that you've never heard anybody say zebra. Okay. And uh, yeah, so just write in and say hashtag Team Grizzly Bear or hashtag Team Colin. And then whoever writes in with hashtag Team Colin, you'll be banned. Just Ooh. kidding. <laughs> we need the views. <laughs> the views? The, the listens. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely just an audio podcast. Wait, the plays. Yes, the plays. We need the play count. Okay. I think you have another agenda item. Yes. So next up we have... All right, guys. So Apple has released a giant cheese grater, otherwise known as the Mac Pro which is their full-size desktop computer. So it's called the, first of all, it's called the cheese grater because the original kind of looked like, it had a bunch of holes in it, 
kind of look like a cheese grater, plus it's like silver made out of aluminum. So it looks like your little kitchen appliance that shreds cheese. The new one has kind of a similar design, same kind of like silver boxy, you know, design with like holes in it. It's not quite the original cheese grater, but you get the point, cheese grater. Okay, so this Mac Pro starts, I think it starts at around 6,000 to start with, you know, base model. But if you want all the bells and whistles, it's going to cost you over $53,000 for one computer. And... I wish all you listeners could see that my jaw just dropped. Yes. And... If you want a nice special monitor to go with it, that'll set you back another, I think it was $5,000. Let me just do a fact check. Oh my gosh, can I... I completely forgot that computers like that go on desks can come in two parts because I've only ever used a laptop for so long. Oh my gosh. That's 59,000. Wait, how much was it for the monitor? I'm checking right now how much it is. So it's called the Pro Display XDR and it costs a whopping $5,000. But wait, if that's for the glossy surface on it. So if you don't want your precious eyes to get damaged by glare off the screen from the sun, you can get a matte finish, which will cost you just a mere extra $1,000. So the monitor will cost $6,000. But wait, there's more. That's just for the screen, unless you're going to like just prop your $6,000 monitor up on the wall or like your desk precariously, you need a stand for it. And guess how much the stand is? The stand is an extra $1,000. But wait, there's more. Oh my gosh. So let's say you bought your $53,000 desktop, but you want to show it off to your friends. So you want to wheel it around. So you can get some wheels for it. Guess how much those are? And these are like little wheels, you know, like your standard caster wheels that are like on the bottom of like, you know, cabinets or whatever. I mean, my they're- My guess is $900. No, they're not that expensive. They're only $400, which means that each one is $100, each wheel. Oh my gosh. And they're not made of gold? Uh, as far as I know, no. They look like they're just, I don't know. I'm assuming they're like stainless steel. I, they didn't, I don't think they mentioned what it's made out of. My mind is blown. Like, I understand there might be people with like very seriously intense jobs that I can't really wrap my mind around. But I'm pretty sure whatever tools they're using at work, that company pays for. And I just feel like whoever's marketing to that company... For, you know, these are the tools we're providing you. Our computer or our database or our system can do all of this stuff that you need. They're like marketing to that company that needs to like do that crazy stuff. Who is Apple marketing to? Like, I can't imagine just like an entrepreneur being like, mm, I really need that like $70,000 set up. So I can't really, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be like a standard enterprise business. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be, like whoever buys this the top tier model with like all the options checked off might be like a film studio given that they're selling um, like a pro display 
to go along with it that's supposed to be like super accurate and you know made to be used for like professionals who deal with like graphical art and things like that but still that's for <laughs> one computer <laughs> uh, it's just I don't know it just baffles my mind that's crazy yeah I can't imagine spending more on a computer than my car wow yeah it like oh my god I could have bought two two of my cars with that money oh my god it's so ridiculous that's crazy all right, what's next? Dopamine fasting, Meb is crawling on my lap. Okay, so I was listening to a podcast where they mentioned, <laughs> you guys could have just seen Paul motioning to his watch because we podcast using anchor and it will like automatically turn off whatever segment you're in 30 minutes in. So we try to take a little break before we hit 30 minutes. So I was like looking at my notes on my screen and Paul's just staring at me, pointing at his watch, mouthing the word, the time, the time. And I was like, I don't, what? And just like motioning his watch. And then I was like, oh, check the time. So do you want to take a quick break? Sure. <laughs> Okay, so we, I was talking about dopamine fasts. I was listening to a podcast where they mentioned that, oh, did you hear that the Silicon Valley types are doing like dopamine fasting now? And instantly I was like, what are they talking about? Like, I don't know. So I did it, some Googling and these articles out there are talking about like people who are fasting from basically anything that causes dopamine is the way they were saying it. And they were like... Yeah, like even eye contact, but especially social media, they're fasting from eating, they're fasting from, um, I don't know, all these different things. But like the thing about eye contact got me. So I did some further digging and it was actually dubbed dopamine fasting by a psychologist named Dr. Cameron Sipa. And all of the other articles out there were completely wrong about what he was talking about. So they thought that he meant fasting from dopamine, which you obviously can't do. Like these articles even went into detail about how people with Parkinson's, like that's actually related to your body not producing dopamine. And that's why they have that disease. And they're like, dopamine is a natural part of your body. You can't fast from it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it just made me so frustrated um, so he actually means that it's fasting from impulsive behaviors that are reinforced by dopamine, um, which is a form of cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so he wrote an article and he says that it's an evidence-based technique to manage addictive behaviors by restricting them to specific periods of time and practicing fasting from impulsively engaging in them in order to regain behavioral flexibility. Um, so he does acknowledge that there's been a ton of public misunderstanding due to media misportrayal, ah, which is all the articles I came across. So he said, it is not reducing dopamine. He said, my focus is on reducing impulsive behavior. He said, it's not avoiding all stimulation. It focuses only on specific behaviors that are problematic for you. It's not, not socializing or exercising. Um, he said, it actually encourages values that are aligned with healthy behaviors um, it is not rebranding meditation or the Sabbath because it doesn't involve meditating or not working. And he said, it's not a tech bro or Silicon Valley only trend. It's done by both genders all over the world. 
So many articles. We're so wrong. So he said, to be clear, we're not fasting from dopamine itself, but from impulsive behaviors reinforced by it. Um, he explained that with enough training, unconditioned stimuli we've never seen before, like a red dot or notification on your smartphone, can become conditioned stimuli because we learn to anticipate the reward. Um, so the same thing as getting a text message or like opening your Instagram or Twitter and seeing notifications. Um, so you talked about what dopamine fasting is, is that you're regaining flexibility over such an automatic behavior because you restrict the external stimuli which is a cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so he said it's a technique called stimulus control, which is used to reduce your need to rely on willpower. So one example is using a website blocking software or social accountability to prevent yourself from cheating. Um, so that's what he means by dopamine fasting. Um, he did say, in addition, he referenced a study that showed that dopamine fasting from Facebook for a week helps students regain 13.3 hours of their time. That's insane. That's insane. Oh, and it significantly reduced depressive symptoms by 17%. Um, he goes on to explain a schedule example of when dopamine fasting, um, like how to do it. So he said dopamine fasting involves still doing the behavior. You can either do it a little bit every day or every week, but you just want to cut back a bit to regain some of the behavioral flexibility. Um, it's, uh, it just made me so mad that there's so many, I mean, I think he could have done a better job naming it if it's a cognitive behavioral therapy known as stimulus control. Like, why is he calling it dopamine fasting? Because that kind of doesn't make sense. But also if the people who wrote all of those articles had just read literally what the exact person who came up with it put out there, there wouldn't be so much misunderstanding about it. Like, no, you're not going to avoid eye contact because that's not anything anybody has a problem with. And if they do, that's news to me because that would be very intimidating. Okay. What are your thoughts? So I have three thoughts. So A, um, I agree that that's a terrible misnomer. Like dopamine fasting, when you first brought it up, I was like, okay, so like these people are so happy that they have to get rid of all these like things that make them happy in their lives. Like, that was baffling to me. I was like, okay, cool story, bro. And then second of all, yeah, like all these media outlets, they're like, you know, well, actually I told you the first two things in the first thing. So that was one and two. And a third thing is okay. that, you know, that I feel like that's like a prime example of like how fake news stories get started. Like people don't really do the research to find out what is actually going on about a particular phenomenon. They just read the headlines and they're like, ah, oh, I'm going to make this really interesting article and hopefully it'll get like clicks or whatever. And that's just my assumption. I'm sure not all of them do it. And just, and I'm sure like some of them ended up referencing some of the original ones where people didn't do research and just wanted clicks. And it just spirals and, and people keep, referencing the original fake news article to make their own articles and they don't go back to the original source. That's a really good point. It like what I found frustrating was that the first few articles I read, um, one of them was on Vox, which I thought was generally a good, um, I don't know, like a good enough source to read things at. One was the guardian, which I generally trust a lot. And another was like science. It wasn't a science journal, but it was like a science, um, something or other website for people that are very into science. So it's like, okay, these were all like pretty respectable. And then I happened to see that one of them said 
you know, that it was created by this psychologist. Um, what's his name? Cameron Sapa. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to see him. Literally, I went to his page and he was like, yeah, these are all the things it's not, which is what everyone else is saying. So, yeah, that's really frustrating. So I can kind of see how whole, how the whole, like, it, things just get out of control. Horrible. And, yeah. You can't trust and, anybody. Like, it's especially bad if you go to social media. Like, that's why I don't trust things people say on social media unless I know that they, you know, their job is to be an expert in that field. Otherwise, you know, someone might offer advice. And I'm like, okay, like, do I want to be like you? Like, I, I try to be mindful of who I take advice from and who I'm hearing things from. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. But also, come on, dude, don't call it a dopamine fast. Just... Call it stimulus control. Yeah, like I, I think he's onto a really good thing, especially if you have like a I don't know if you're addicted to Twitter and you're like just scrolling through Twitter feed all day long just because you want to get you know read the next thing and like get that like you know next dopamine hit with the next you know tweet. I feel like you know it's a valid therapy. Yeah. So it's yeah. funny because it makes me think of one of well two things now. So I was gonna say first, it makes me think of the minimalists. Um, one of them recently tweeted scrolling is the new smoking. And I was like, that's a really good tweet because when you're scrolling, you're usually just wasting time. Like there's no real intentionality behind scrolling. I'm never like, I'm going to look for a specific post. Let me go to a newsfeed and scroll around for it. Like I'm going to go to a search bar and type in the person or account's name to find exactly what I need. Like, um, scrolling to me is a waste of time, which is fine. If you build that into your day, like every day I'll allow myself five or 10 minutes to either scroll through Twitter or scroll through Instagram, like just for fun and catch up on random stuff. Um, so it reminded me of that. Also, when I first heard about the dopamine fast and I started like, before I started really looking into it and I was thinking, um, like, Oh, I wonder, like, it sounded a little bit like intentional living to me because I do, um, listeners, I do a coffee fast about once every six months and I do it for like running and performance reasons. But what I like about it is that when I come back after doing the coffee fast, it kind of resets what my expectation is. Um, I don't want to, it's not a relationship, like how much I value or use my coffee. Like for a while I was having, I generally have two cups of coffee a day. Um, one I will have at home when I wake up in the morning and walk my dog meth and the other one I have at work. And I started noticing after one of my coffee fasts that I was sleeping better. Um, so when I decided to reintroduce coffee to my life again, I made a conscious decision not to drink coffee after 11 a.m. And I used to be really strict about not drinking it after like 1 p.m. So I was like, I'm just going to move that time back a bit because I noticed when I didn't drink any coffee, I was sleeping better. So when I decided to reintroduce it, I wanted to make sure I was giving myself plenty of time for the caffeine to get out of my system so I could really properly wind down asleep, at sleep, at bedtime. So it's like when I was thinking of the dopamine fast, I was like, maybe people are fasting from things so that they can come back to it with this new mindset of like, this is how to have a healthier relationship with it. And I feel like that's kind of it, but I feel like if you're still doing something every day, maybe not as much. I don't know. So it was, it was interesting to read about, super frustrating to see how much misinformation there was. I think what you're doing with the coffee fast is an actual fast because you are not drinking coffee at all. But the therapy, I believe, should not be called fasting because if you're still intaking it, then it's not really like fasting. Fasting is when you withhold something completely. That's true. That's very true. At least that's my definition of it. I agree. 
Yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe if you're indulging a little bit every day and whatever it is, maybe it's not. Maybe it's fasting if you're doing it less. Maybe if you went from sitting on your phone for 16 hours a day to like two hours. But maybe it's when I, I think know. of fasting, I think of it in like the, uh, I don't know, when I first heard the term fasting, it was in regards to like a religious context when like, you know, um, certain religions, you during certain holidays, you fast at, from sunrise to sundown, then you have to feast at night. But during that time frame, you don't, eat at all so that's like completely refraining uh, from something so that's yeah so that's kind of where my definition comes from interesting hey listeners write in with your thoughts let us know what your thoughts are on fasting is it completely refraining from something or can fasting also mean reducing your consumption of something and what is something that you have seen the media completely misportray that frustrated you immensely? All right, on to more positive topics. Okay, so the final topic. The final topic is Times Person of the Year is drumroll Greta Thun- Thunberg. I think they pronounce it Thunberg, even though it's pronounced it's spelled with a th. I don't know. I. But she's know. from, where's she from? A Norwegian, like Finland or something? Yeah. One, one it feels like it's a country where they don't say like THs as much. Yeah. So Greta Thunberg, let me know if I'm wrong. But yeah, she is the person of the year. And if you don't know who she is, she is the, I believe she was 16 year old, a 16 year old girl who spoke, um, what was it, at the United Nations? I've, I'm totally blanking on where she originated, but United Nations, right? Let's see. Amber Stoyan, instant fact checked. I know, from Wikipedia. But, um, so, yeah, she's 16 years old. Um, she's known for her blunt, straightforward speaking manner, both in public and in political leaders and assemblies. Um, oh, two political leaders and assemblies, in which she urges immediate action to address what she describes as climate crisis. Oh, she began spending her school days outside Swedish Parliament to call for stronger action in global warming. Oh, she's Swedish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, she addressed the 2018 United Nations Climate Change Conference. Yeah, so I think that's great. A, because, you know, it's a young female, you know, speaker, leader, who hopefully will inspire more young girls to speak their mind and be more assertive and, you know, not be afraid and not, you know, buying to the stereotype that girls should just be quiet and, you know, soft-spoken. Um, I think she's a really good role model um, for both old and young women. And also, I think she is fighting for something that affects everyone um it's an issue climate change is a global issue so i don't know i just think it's a very uh you know positive wholesome thing um i don't think unless you're like a climate change denier i don't think you would anyone would disagree with her being nominated for um times person of the year yeah i can't imagine that we would have any climate change deniers listening to us if you do you're banned just yeah. kidding. We, I mean, 
We we need the. We, we the do place. not. If you are a climate change denier, please turn this off right now and never tune in again. You're not allowed to listen to our voices or our thoughts. I'm, unless you're here for your mind. To you be know, changed. actually, I'm a little bit more open minded or accepting. Like, as long as you have like a legitimate, like compelling argument backed by legitimate legitimate facts and figures and you can have valid sources uh i will listen to your argument so far no one has been able to provide those valid facts and figures regarding you know climate change change not happening but if you know something that we don't come forth (laughs) i challenge you (laughs) yeah i mean yeah i feel like if there was actual legit evidence out there that it wasn't happening people would already know but yeah there's gonna be people denying it anyway not to get on the whole climate change topic i agree with you i think time did a fantastic job to choosing their person of the year she's a great role model for so many reasons like in terms of feminism because she's speaking her voice she's not being just a quiet little girl she's really She's really pushing for the world to make a change and to see something that's really important that's honestly not being taken seriously enough. So way to go time, way to go Greta, congratulations. I know she's a listener, she tunes in, she's going to be excited. Just kidding, I know she's not, but you know, hey, anyone you knows her know. passing along. <laughs> All right, well... I hope you guys enjoyed our better sound quality and the lack of Meb's huffing and puffing and flipping out. And we'll talk to you guys again after my trip to Vegas and after Paul has some more updates on running. Yeah. All right. Bye, guys. Have a good holiday. Just kidding, guys. I thought we were closer to the holidays tonight than it actually is. We'll see you next week. (laughs)